Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we turn to a message taught by Pastor Harris on March 8, 2020, in regard to 1 Corinthians and that portion of chapter 11 where Paul instructs the believers in Corinth of proper behavior concerning the Lord's Supper. At Heritage Bible Church, we teach that the Lord Jesus instituted baptism and the Lord's Supper to be observed by all believers until his return for his bride, the church. Please listen to today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Lord's Supper. One important aspect of communion is celebrating it communally. The word is in there. Celebrating our unity, celebrating our our common ground in Christ, the thing that every believer shares with every other believer. If you come to this celebration with an ongoing broken relationship with another Christian, if you haven't already done everything possible so far as it depends upon you to make peace, and those words come directly from Romans 12, 18, if you haven't done that, you're actually risking bringing God's personal chastening upon yourself. He takes celebrating this very seriously. So look at verse 19. He says, For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Now, friends, that is an example of the Apostle Paul's sanctified sarcasm. He is ridiculing them for how they were doing this. Some were apparently rationalizing their divisiveness as the Lord saw it. They were making it acceptable or excusing themselves because to them that just showed, well, now we know by who chooses our group, we know who the really mature ones are. He's making fun of them. We're the approved group. Now, beyond the schisms, there's more. There was selfishness going on. Told you we'd have to go fast, so stay with me. Verses 20 and 21. He says, therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. Now, notice the word, therefore, that connects directly to verse 19. That reinforces what I said about verse 19 being sarcasm. Whatever they were doing in their love feasts, it was not accomplishing the purpose that Jesus intended for the Lord's Supper. One way the situation was being abused is that the first ones to arrive at the meal were, well, I use the word selfish. They weren't being considerate of those who came later. We don't do it as much in our culture, but the, the love feast could last for a long time. Could be, it could be several hours long. 
And you're going to see again in verses 33 and 34, he was really concerned about some not waiting for others. So people could arrive at various times. Latecomers might not even get served properly at all. That's how to make people feel um, welcome. Well, you could lick the pan, I suppose, but that's all that's left. Those who arrived the earliest apparently jumped right in. They would continue the feast, and some of them even consumed too much wine and became intoxicated. Now, bear in mind, um, everyone drank wine with meals in that culture. There's pretty good uh, evidence that it was likely... Uh, diluted with water when it was a drink with uh, with a meal, but it was still at least mildly alcoholic. And for drunkenness to be a problem at a church function, oh boy, the apostle was not real thrilled about that. His irritation is pretty obvious. Look at verse 22. I'll try to read it like he wrote it. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. He was hot. He, he was not, if you notice, mincing any words. What this means is, if you're hungry and thirsty, take care of that at home. Don't come to the Lord's table for that. You should come to the Lord's Supper to celebrate and remember Christ, not to stuff yourself, not to, not to get a meal. Despise the church of God, that's pretty strong. That refers to the insensitivity of not waiting for each other and generally not being polite. Shaming those who have nothing, that gives you the idea it was kind of a potluck. And, and people that didn't have much and couldn't bring much and, and, and maybe came later, they were getting left out. And that goes hand in hand with the, with the cliques and the schisms that existed. Based on following the different teachers, I can just see them where they would come and maybe they'd have all the tables, you know, picture our downstairs and all the tables set up. And you just picture a sign in one corner, I am of Paul. Another corner, I am of Apollos. Another corner, I am of Peter. You know, they, were, they might as well have been advertising it like that. So he says, I will not praise you. The Corinthian Christians were acting in, in their twisted version of the love feast, just like their unsaved neighbors would act at a meal in one of the idol temples in Corinth. And that's why I said, It's not necessarily a positive thing every time Christians get together. It depends completely on what happens in the name of Christ. The Lord's Supper celebrates the sacrifice which makes propitiation for sins, the sacrifice which satisfies the wrath of God. How absurd to associate that celebration in an environment of schisms and selfishness. And I think a lot of people today don't realize how ominous this should be, that you could, by how you regard the Lord's table, you could actually bring greater chastisement from the Lord by coming and celebrating communion than you would if you ignored it. You've got to get the attitude right. You've got to come well prepared. Now, secondly, 
the words of this text that you're much more familiar with and a little bit more. We'll call it celebrate well. Interestingly, 1 Corinthians 11, which is written by the only of the apostles who wasn't present when this celebration was uh, initiated, is the most detailed one. Well, that's because Paul wasn't there, and so the Lord taught him personally, and we are thankful that he did for what he could say to them. You can read the initial celebration or the initial uh, institution of this in um, Mark uh, chapter 14, where we, cel- where we did it a few weeks ago, uh, or last month, I guess, Matthew 26, 26 through 29, and it's also in Luke 22. But before we today come around this table, you need to let this passage filter through your mind and into your heart and help you understand how profound this is. When I say celebrate well, I'll break the rest of this passage down into three parts based upon the text itself. Verses 23 and 24, this is my body, says Jesus. 25 and 26, this is about the new covenant. And then this is what to do, verses 27 through 34. So first, This is my body. However long you've been a Christian, however many times you've come around this table, you've probably heard these words recited many, many times. Verses 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Paul was not there when this was instituted. He mentions he was one out of time, if you will, out of sync with the other uh, apostles, not in message, but in the timing and the plan and the ministry that God had to him. So he, he, had, he had those 14 years from his uh, conversion to his public ministry, and the Lord taught him personally. Part of that was telling him about this. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. When he was in Corinth, he taught them this, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now remember, when you interpret the Bible, it doesn't matter what you think the words mean until you ascertain what Jesus and his disciples and the people in Corinth understood these words to mean. Jesus meant for the Lord's Supper to represent his life given on the cross. He meant for this to replace the Passover. And we'll see more emphasis of that under the the new covenant. Now, the bread of the Lord's Supper representing Jesus' life, that wasn't a new metaphor. Now, tying it to a commemorative meal, that was new. But this metaphor was something Jesus had taught to the disciples long before the night that he instituted the Lord's Supper. Remember that after Jesus had fed the 5,000 men plus women and children, that huge event recorded in all four of the Gospels, after that, he taught the crowds saying that he is the bread of life. That's in John chapter 6. And they challenged him. The leaders of the Jews challenged him. They said, Moses gave us manna 
every day for 40 years. Are you saying you can top that? If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.